Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, thanks very much for joining me today. Great to have you along. Really looking forward to this discussion with Melissa Shane. Melissa is from numbersandtech.com, an amazing mix, and we'll get into it, an amazing mix of accounting and tech, as cleverly the name implies. But yeah, Melissa's really kindly going to be walking us through the basics of small business accounting today. And I'm going to say hello to Melissa in a second. But first, Melissa is on a mission to help business owners understand their financial statements. She is a CFO turned entrepreneur having founded ID Pro Accounting and now Numbers and Tech. Educated with an MBA and accounting degree, she has a unique background having worked inside both corporate and startup companies, helping them account and grow profitable businesses. And this background provides current clients with the unique advantages derived from these experiences. Now, just a few years ago, as a result of a careful personal financial planning process, Mm -hmm. Melissa and her husband, Randall, sold everything, bought Ludlow the van, cleverly mm-hmm. named and traveled <laughs> over 10,000 miles to find the perfect home in Boise, Idaho. So Melissa, thank you very much for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm excited to be joining you. Brilliant to have you along. And I have to be honest, as an Aussie, I, I, I always struggle with Boise or Boise. I just can't Boise. say it. I know, it's ridiculous. Boise. Yeah. Think of it like S-E-E on the end, Boise. Right, right. We'll roll with that one. <laughs> Well, Melissa, thank you very much for taking us through this. Before we start, do you just want to give us a quick snapshot of uh, Numbers and Tech? Sure. Numbers and Tech, we are an accounting and tech firm combined, I guess you'd say. And that happened because doing bookkeeping and accounting in our current world and environment everyone now suddenly has to be a techie at the same time. We all use apps and softwares and computers and payment processors. And in the beginning of having my own firm, I was always outsourcing this. You know, everyone would say, do you know an IT person? Do you know someone that can build a website? Do you know someone that can build me an app? So a few years ago, I um, merged ID Pro Accounting with a different tech firm, and we're now numbers in tech. So We are exactly what our name says we are. We can handle the number side and we can handle the tech side. Match made in heaven. Very good. Yes. Yeah. You know, as small business owners, we're all wearing many hats. We have to be great at accounting and marketing and sales and technology. So we try to simplify that process for our clients. I just had a flashback to one of the first ever business books I read. I think it was the E-Myth. And he's talking about getting the org chart when you're you're starting a business. You got to take yourself seriously and map out the org chart, even if your name is in every box. And it sounds a bit like that. So Melissa, thank you very much. You're going to be walking us through the basics of small business and accounting. Uh, So I want to say to people listening to this, there's a video version of this on the website. So if you're listening to this on the go via a podcast, uh, and you want to check out the notes and the slides as we go, yeah, go to the uh, the website, getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast, and you will find them there. Melissa, what I might do is just shut up. I might put myself on mute and pass it across to you and then dive in with some questions as we go. Yes, please interrupt me if you have any questions <laughs> you think anyone would like. 
Brilliant. Otherwise, I know it can get a little dry at times. So I'll try and keep it topical and light and uh, hopefully Excellent. teach you a couple things today. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So we will go ahead and move on. I think I've probably got, for those that are watching, about seven slides here. So the basics of small business accounting. You need to know your numbers to grow your business. I'm going to go through what accounting is, what you legally need, how you prep for those dreaded taxes, how you pay yourself. That might be the most important part of this whole presentation. And then, of course, other ways to spend your money and also not be wasteful with it. So what is accounting? Accounting is simply the function of organizing the financial data in your business. That's it. Just think about we're organizing your money, the in and the out. And this is important so that you can share your, in quotes, books. You know, you'll hear cook the books or show me your books or your books is just your financial data. Around the world, people call it profit and loss. People call it income statement. It's just showing the money coming in and the money going out. And you have to have these books so that you can get loans, so that you can pay your taxes. Maybe you're trying to get VC money or investors. So you need to have good, clean books. How do we do that? Well, there's a couple of ways. You can hire an accountant, and that's, of course, the most expensive option, but sometimes that's the best option, depending upon where you are in the cycle of your business. Other people have chosen over the years to use an accounting software. I think QuickBooks is probably the most well-known one all around the world. They used to just be in the United States. Now there's Canadian versions, there's European versions, and QuickBooks Online runs anywhere from $25 a month all the way up to $180 a month. I mean, I've got $30 million companies using QuickBooks Online, and I've got $25,000 consultants using QuickBooks Online. So they really have software that can be paired to your needs. Or then there's another option, which, okay, this is a shameless plug, but numbers and tech, we in-house wrote an app called Prosper because we all want to prosper in life, whether it's financially, professionally, personally. But it's a simple app because I had many clients that were using the shoebox method or the Excel version method where you just threw all your receipts in a shoebox or you had them all saved in your emails um, this app, there's a free version or it's $4.99 a month. You can download it on the Apple App Store and you can keep track of all your expenses. There's financial calculators out there. So I really tried to fit that need for the people that aren't ready to use a quick to use a QuickBooks, but don't just want to keep using an Excel spreadsheet or a shoebox. Sorry, where do so, they find Prosper? On the Apple App Store. It's called Prosper by NNT for numbers and tech. Thank good. you for that. And please go out there, check it out. We love feedback. That was my 2021 goal, my project. And I'll even get into goals and projects. Um, so I'm very, that's my new baby. I'm very excited about that nice, app. Nice. Now, whether you're just starting out as a freelancer or a small business owner or consultant, or whether you've been around for years, are you legally set up correctly? And what that means is, do you have your correct business structure? And business structures can change as your business grows, meaning are you a sole proprietor, an LLC, an S-corp or C-corp? 
And depending upon where you live, your city, your state, your country, that can also vary a little bit. So that could be its own conversation. But you want to be set up in your business structure. You also, in the United States, want to get what's called an EIN, Employer Identification Number. I call it, it's like a social security number for your business. Because you don't want to be passing out to everybody your government social security number. You want your business to have its own tax identity. It's free to get an EIN. There's so many scams out online that they want to charge you $400 or $600 to get an EIN. You can go out into the IRS website and get an EIN in 10 minutes for free. Also, if you're going to be selling products, you're probably going to need a sales tax ID. If you're just selling services, you don't need a sales tax ID in the United States. But if you're going to have products down the road, you'll probably want to get a sales tax ID. And then lastly, depending upon if you're going to have employees or not, the Department of Labor is going to require you to register with them because of payroll taxes. And maybe you don't have employees year one or year two, so don't worry about Department of Labor. Just worry about it when you get to the point of having to have employees. This best accounting practices is where I get the most questions. You know, everyone wants to know what can I write off on my taxes or what should I be doing? And I've kind of put on this little slide the top eight. There could be more, there could be less, depending upon your needs. But you probably hear this over and over and over. Have a separate bank account for your business. Don't commingle funds, you'll hear people say. Um, it's best for you to have a separate checking or savings account so that when your clients pay you, it goes into that account. And when you do purchases, the money comes out of that account. If you commingle funds and you unfortunately have the unhappy experience of going through an audit, the IRS sometimes will disallow some of your expenses or, or they might even think some of those deposits our income, and it could have a negative effect on your tax returns. So really make sure there's many banks around that give you free bank, free bank accounts. Gone are the days of having to pay $9.99 a month for a bank account. Locate one of those banks or credit unions and open up at least one separate bank account. There's all kinds of business books out there. I think Profit First is probably the most popular one that'll tell you to have five bank accounts for your business because they want you to put you know, your income and your taxes and your savings and your operating expenses each in a different bank account. And for some people, that's a beautiful system. But I just say, just at least start with one. Do yourself the favor and start with one. And you can make those changes down the road if you want to follow some other ideas. Also, so on the bank account thing, it can be quite useful to connect it to your invoicing system or QuickBooks. Oh. So if you're sending an invoice, it hits the bank account. It's not just a transfer and, and things don't talk to each other, right? Right, right. Um, and it's nice. Let's say you do use something like QuickBooks. If you invoice out of QuickBooks, the money that your clients pay you on the invoice will go directly into your bank account. It's not like you have to go to the bank. You don't have to do a mobile deposit. Um, even if people use Stripe or Venmo or all these other payment processors, PayPal, you can connect those to your business account too. So, and I always tell people, 
Don't keep your business finances out in PayPal or Venmo. That can really get messy. Open up an institutional bank account somewhere. You can still use them to process transactions, but make sure it flows in and out of an institutional bank account. Yep, yep. Keeping receipts. In a perfect world, we keep all of our receipts. But the IRS has, as of 2021, they say they only want to see receipts of $75 or more. So if you're like, oh, I don't have that receipt. I went to Office Max and bought $12 worth of paper. Don't sweat it. Don't beat yourself up. Um, but it is. it shows a goodwill gesture if you do keep all your receipts. But if you don't have all your receipts under $75, don't worry about it. They are looking at material expenses. And most likely, all those little $20, $30, $40 charges are probably not material in the grand scheme of things with your business. I also like to say, review your bank activity at least once a week. You know, perfect is daily. Yes, but we all get busy. If you have an app on your phone for your bank or if you can log in online, maybe every Sunday night or Monday morning or Friday afternoon, log in and just review real quick. Hey, do I know what all those charges are? Oh, so-and-so paid me. Just get in that habit for a couple of reasons. One, you catch transactions that are faulty or duplicates or not yours right away. Two, you remember what they are. I can't tell you, it's now December as we're recording this and I'll sit with clients who have expenses back from March and April because they haven't done this and they'll be like, I don't remember what I bought there or I don't remember who I took to lunch. We're, we're all busy. So if you can do it on a consistent basis, it's fresh in your mind and you know if transactions are legitimate. You also know how much money's in your bank account. You kind of keep track of knowing, am I running low? Am I high? But get in the habit of at least once a week checking your bank account. That's great advice. And it does also trigger the, the question in your mind, do I need this recurring expense, for example, oh. for particularly software and things like that? Yes, yes. And I do get into that because I'm amazed we all download or buy a software that we think we're going to use and you know what? A couple months later, we're not using it. And they make it difficult for us to unsubscribe. But those little fees add up. I say you get nickel and dimed all the time. So watch those subscriptions. On the other hand, you might have credit card accounts. Um, and this is why I say at least once a month, reconcile your accounts. What that means is if you use, whether you use, you know, an app or a software, make sure that what's in those softwares matches 100% to your statement. So if you download a statement or you get a paper statement, you literally take that statement and compare it to your expenses to make sure, is there anything missing in your financial records or is there anything duplicated? And that way you've got that the numbers you're even looking at are accurate. Because I know many people that may use an accounting software, but if they never reconcile to the bank or to their credit card, how do they even know if their financial statements are accurate? There could be duplicates or some big transaction could be missing. 
So that's why reconciling is so important. Also, setting both short-term and long-term goals. I talked about this. My goal had been to get an app created. I saw a need in the market, and that was a long-term goal. That's been a goal of mine for over a year, and I can tick it off my list. But a short-term goal, I say, maybe that's less than 90 days. You know, maybe you've got a short-term goal of reading some book or going out there and going to some networking events or saving money. Maybe you think I need to set aside some money in my emergency fund, but try and set goals because it's kind of that personal feeling of accomplishment. You feel good when you reach those goals. And we always were, we're obviously motivated individuals if we're working for ourselves. We need to keep moving forward and how better to do that by giving ourselves some little goals. Also right now, has everyone created a budget for 2022? Do you have a budget for the new year? A budget can be both income goals, but also expenses. And then comparing that budget every month. I'll take my budget and I'll see how did I do last month? And then I'll even ask myself, is that budget realistic? Because maybe come July next year, oh, my, my business has totally changed and maybe I need to tweak my budget. But it's a way to keep track of, of where you've come from and where you're going. It's kind of like a roadmap for your business. And if you do all those best practices, honestly, prepping for taxes really shouldn't be that bad. And in the United States, our taxes are done on what's called a Schedule C. You can just go online, type in Schedule C. It's a two-page document. It's not scary at all. I promise people. The two-page document, it just asks for what's your income, what's your cost of goods sold, which I'll go over, what's your expenses. That's it. It's, it's not. Sometimes we make taxes out to be this giant monster. And I tell people, let's just look at the Schedule C. So on the Schedule C, there's about 20 expense categories. That's all the IRS says. You can deduct these 20 categories. So I tell everyone, if you have a copy of the Schedule C saved on your computer and you ask yourself, is this tax deductible? Look at that, those 20 categories and see, does it fall in those 20 categories? That's at least step one. So those categories could be things like meals, mileage, advertising, um, wages, travel, car and truck, all those are kinds of things on there. And prepping for taxes helps you know your profit margin and your gross margin. And many people don't even know this. And what that means is if I sell something for $100, whether it's a service or a product, how much did it cost me to sell that product. So I always say, let's say I do consulting for one hour, but I had to use some software that I pay a subscription for, or I had to go bring a notebook and some products to that consulting meeting. Those are my cost of goods sold because I could not have done that consulting service if I didn't have those elements. So maybe those elements cost me $25 
and I did a $100 bill. So really my profit margin is $75. So I have a 75% profit for every $100 I make. Knowing your margins, um, it gets a little tricky when we're talking about consulting. If I'm talking about a goods, it's easy. I always say a restaurant. A restaurant's easy. They have to buy food. So a food is their cost of goods sold, or a painter has to buy paints and canvases. That's their cost of goods sold. So knowing how much it costs you to provide your service is your cost of goods sold, and that's on the tax form. So another one I get asked about is meals, and these regulations change all the time. Did you know that for 2021, 100% of meals is deductible? It used to be 50%, but I tell people it's 100% this year because of the pandemic. The government wanted people returning to restaurants. They wanted people supporting the businesses. So they made it for 2021, 100% deductible. So that's a big deduction for the 2021. Also mileage. Mileage changes every year. The IRS just announced, I think it was yesterday or the day before, the new mileage rate for 2022, and it's gone up two and a half cents a mile because gas here in the U.S. is going up, so they increase the mileage expense. Now, mileage, you there's hundreds of apps out there. You can use an app to track mileage, or you can kind of be old school and have a little notebook that you write down. If you've done neither and you're at the end of the year, go back into your calendar and look on your calendar and see, do you have your meetings on your calendar? Do you know you met someone for drinks or coffee or dinner? You can then go out into Google Maps or Apple Maps and figure out your mileage from there too. So if you haven't done it perfectly, you can at least still get some of your mileage deduction um, typically mileage is about 50 cents a mile. So I tell everybody for every two miles you drove, that's a dollar tax deduction. So if you don't write off those mileage, you're literally just throwing a dollar bill out the car every two miles. So I'm like, track those miles. They really add up. It might not seem like a lot, but over the course of 12 months, you're going to get a hefty little deduction there. And then why do we all work for ourselves? To get paid. So how do you pay yourself? And this is tricky depending upon the kind of business you are. So I always tell people, try and schedule a payday. Are you gonna pay yourself weekly, bi-weekly or monthly? First and foremost, just set up a frequency. We're not even talking about the amount, just set up a frequency. For some people, it's nice that they can pay themselves every Friday. Some people are every other Friday. Some people are the first of the month. Whatever works for you. And you can change it, but try to at least, you know, for a year, keep your payroll the same. Why? Well, the pandemic here was one reason why, because a lot of people were able to file for unemployment or get government benefits if they could show their business was paying them. But if they were never taking a paycheck out of their business and they were just letting the business pay their electric bill or letting the business pay their grocery bill, you know what the US government said? They're like, no, you're not taking a paycheck. 
and then they couldn't get some of those benefits. Another thing is too, if you own your own business and you go to purchase a car or a house, you know how difficult it can be when they say, give us your pay stub. And you're like, well, I don't really have a pay stub. I work for myself. If you're able to either show them financial statements that show consistently paying yourself, or if you can show them your bank statement showing, look, every Friday money comes into my bank account, I'm getting paid. So first set up a schedule. Then you can decide, well, it's just like when you were hourly or if you made commission, you didn't always get paid the same amount of money every paycheck. If you're a salaried employee, yes, you did. But there's many jobs that, you know, one week you might get $750 and the next week you might get $850. So it doesn't matter so much the amount as the consistency is very important. So if you're a sole proprietor or a single member LLC, you take what's called an owner draw. So if you're gonna take a $500 paycheck, you just transfer $500 or write yourself a check for $500. But if you are an S Corp, then you're considered an employee of your company. And then you're gonna have payroll taxes taken from your paycheck. So it kind of depends on how your business is structured, getting back to what we said before, based upon how your business is set up can really affect how you get paid. And just because maybe you started as a sole proprietor, you can still then become an LLC and maybe down the road, you'll even become an S Corp. And there's advantages to the different setups. And it's also depending upon how much money is coming in and out of your business that can affect what kind of business structure you want to be. And the last piece of that is how much do you even pay yourself? I mean, yes, we'd all love to take home a giant paycheck, or some of us are like, I don't want to take a paycheck. I want to reinvest all that money into my business. Well, the IRS regulation is that you're supposed to pay yourself reasonable compensation, which that could go into a whole conversation there, what's reasonable. So the best way is, let's say that you couldn't work and you had to hire someone to do your job, how much would you pay them to do your job? That's what's reasonable. So it's still very gray, but that's kind of generally the rule of thumb. You know, are you going to pay someone $10,000 a year to do your job? Or are you going to pay someone $40,000 a year to do your job? That's up to you. And maybe that even makes you kind of start writing up a job duties, like when we were all back in corporate world and you had a job description. But it at least gives you something to think about. Just sorry, on the reasonable compensation point, yeah. um, as a side note, anecdote, as an Aussie, I, I years ago heard the Australian Tax Office, they, they have complex models, modeling oh. business owners. And so you might say, ah, I'll come up with my own reasonable compensation. They've worked all this out. They've got all the data. They know what everyone earns. So you can't really just sort of fiddle the books and say, oh, I get two grand a year. Right, right. And here in the U.S., the U.S. government kind of has a little bit of the same thing too. They're not well known. But if you were an accountant for a government agency, 
you're going to make in this pay range. Mm. And if you were an engineer for a government agency, you're going to make in this pay range. So yeah, there's already kind of mm. an idea out there what it is. So you kind of have to be careful. <laughs> so then the other money you have to spend, the other expenses. Um, it is important, and I think especially the last two years, if they've taught us anything, to save for that rainy day fund. The industry and the financial experts would always tell us three months. I love for people to have six months, but at least shoot for three months. You know, shoot for three months of being able to pay for your internet or pay for, you know, whatever components it is you need to do your job. And then hopefully maybe even pay yourself too, because we all have lean months and fat months. So as long as you can prepare yourself for those lean months, it, the better the better off you'll be. And then I also tell people spend in ways that's going to help you grow. Are you going to, is that going to be education for yourself? Is that going to be hiring another employee so you can take on more clients? Is maybe that going to be marketing? But when you think of spending, spend in ways that is going to make your business grow, however that is you want it to grow. And then other is to pay down or refinance your debt. Um, there's pros and cons to paying down and have zero debt. If you're going to carry debt, and if you're like a team debt person, you say, oh, I like to finance things and not paying it off. I at least say, try and get the best interest rate. And interest rates are at a historical low all around the world. Refinance debt. So at least you're not just paying off, paying on interest. And then also review, are any of your expenses wasteful? And by that, I mean, and the number one wasteful expense I see is office space. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have office space. By all means, some people work better in an office space. Some people need the office space to meet clients. But make sure your office space is the correct size and location. If you don't meet that many people at an office, but you still want one, you don't need to be right on Main Street or you didn't need to have this giant office. You'd probably be just fine with a small office off the main path a little bit, which will be less rent. But if you're a restaurant or a gift shop or something that you're selling products and you need that foot traffic, you need people to find you, then by all means, you need to be where people can see you. You need to be large enough that you can have your inventory out for people to see. So really consider what office space you truly need or whether do you even need it at all? Because if you don't need office space or there's a lot of co-working office spaces now and WeWorks and things like that that are very inexpensive. Also, you touched on this, unnecessary software expenses. They can add up. I don't think I see one person that has less than five or 10 monthly subscription costs. We all do. It's the life we live in. But if all those are 5 to $10 each easily and you have 5 or 10 a month and then you take a whole year, by the end of the year, you have a couple thousand in software expenses, no problem. So make sure you check on those. I see a lot of over hiring or wrong hiring. And by that, we mean 
especially when we work for ourselves, we really want to trust our employees or trust our associates. And so what does that mean? Many times we hire our friends or our family or people we worked with before, and that's not always the right fit. Maybe we can trust them, but that doesn't mean they bring the right skill set to the table. And both parties can have the best of intentions, but really make sure you're hiring the right people. And maybe you don't need someone full-time immediately. Maybe you just need part-time or maybe you need project-based. A lot of us now work with clients that maybe it's a short-term or it's a big project. Consider just hiring um, an independent contractor, not an employee, and, and just for a project. So that can save you a lot of money. As well as making sure any marketing you purchase, I always tell people, can the results be measured? Meaning, are, do they have a coupon code? Are you measuring foot traffic or the number of traffic to your website or something? I'm always leery of buying marketing that they can't really tell me if it was successful or not. So just be weary of, of what marketing you purchase. And then lastly, we all love swag. We love to see our business name. We're proud of our businesses. We like to have it on our t-shirts or our coffee mugs or our hats, but swag's expensive and everyone's passing it out. And how much do we really keep? And so I always tell new businesses or consultants, maybe go less on the swag and instead um, really focus on the service that you provide to your client. Maybe over-service your clients, or there's all these social media avenues now. You know, provide some information out there, complimentary or enticing, rather than just giving out a t-shirt and hoping that someone's going to see your name on the street and reach out to you. Swag is expensive. I see people spend thousands and thousands a year on swag, and I'm just not really convinced that it's the best bang for your buck on, on, uh, on reaching those clients. I have to say, I uh, was unpacking a bag from years ago <laughs> and I discovered my very first business cards in there. So there's, there's still a chunk of them sitting there. And uh, yeah, I was never into the swag, but a couple of things before we leave this section, yeah. the expenses, the office space thing, you mentioned the co-working spaces and the co-working companies. I actually think they're brilliant ideas for new and upcoming companies because you're surrounded by potential clients and potential yes. referrers. Can't yes. tell you the number of um, clients I personally got and also uh, people I've worked with have got as a result of by being in those spaces as opposed to being an office in a small location somewhere. Um, right. So it's a cheaper thing, but there's also the vibe, the atmosphere, the energy you get from a place like that. And yeah, potential clients. And you can sometimes yes. host events there that you wouldn't normally be able to host because you Precisely. haven't got a space. And the cost savings is astronomical. Mm. I mean, and it used to just be those were only in San Francisco or New York. And yeah. now I feel like they're in every small town, small city, everywhere. Yeah. I've seen them be anywhere from $100 a month, which is minimal, to, you know, thousands a month if you want your own, um, you know, like conference room or something. Yeah. But really shop around and look. They're usually minimal commitment. It's usually month to month. 
they usually have a lot of networking, a lot of education opportunity. I agree a hundred percent. Try them out. Yeah. Um, one other point you made there was the, um, the make sure any purchase marketing can produce results that can be measured a hundred percent. So I was actually on a call just uh, earlier today with a client and she's giving speeches and presentations all over the place, which is excellent. And all we're doing is we're just setting up different tracking pages, nothing fancy, just different pages. We call them landing pages. Mm-hmm. So that guests from that talk will land on that page to get the notes and the slides and stuff. But that way they're able to track who comes through and from where. And if you're giving out flyers on the street, brochures on the street for your business, you can have, as you mentioned, a coupon code or a special address or a QR. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of ways of doing things, let alone the online stuff. So um, absolutely agree. Yeah, measure what you're doing and, and track. Them. And sometimes it's shocking. These things that you think are going to work yeah. don't. And then these other things that you're like, really? <laughs> you just, you can learn a lot about the market out there by trying different things. And I tell people, it's not that I'm not telling you to try them, but maybe don't dump 10,000 in that marketing scheme. Maybe <laughs> dip your toe and do like 500 or a thousand and see. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a cheeky one before I let you move on is, um, yeah, you could put a little box on the website. How did you hear about us? And then only to discover that everyone writes in because they saw your branded swag. So you never know. I'll I'll let you move on. (laughs) Hey, I'd hope to be proven wrong that that swag was worth it. But I'm like you, I open up cupboards and I'll be like, why am I keeping this, This you know, water mug from three years ago at some conference that I don't even remember. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that that's it. I did that quickly and I hope I gave you a lot of information, but that's the bare bones basics of accounting for small business owners, consultants, entrepreneurs. It's enough to get you started. There's so much in there, but it's concise and well-organized. So thank you very much. Can people access these slides? Would that be okay? Yes. Yes. Uh, Numbersandtech.com, my website. Those slides are out there as well as all kinds of articles. And then Numbers and Tech, we're on Instagram every day. I try and put out just a bite-sized tidbit of what's a little thing you can learn about accounting. So as not to bore you to tears, but maybe it's a little thing that'll help you help you out in the future. Nice. And do you have a podcast? I do. Numbers and Tech Podcast. Wow. How do you come up with this name? Yeah. <laughs> Consistency. Consist- you just need some <laughs> swag and then you'll be all sorted. Let's see. This, this is why I'm an accountant. I'm not the creative person. <laughs> I, I'm cut and dry. But no, it's wonderful. Just like you, I love these podcasts because there's so many brilliant entrepreneurs yeah. to hear their stories. And maybe they can inspire, inspire someone else. And then also we can learn from one another. Absolutely. Completely agree. Uh, so if you're listening to this on the go, numbers and tech. So they're the, the, the words, numbersandtech.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the email address is info at numbersandtech.com. So yeah, this has been, thank you. Uh, brilliant. Thank you very much for sharing all this information. And for people listening, definitely go and check out the website. And yeah, just thank you again for sharing all your advice and knowledge today. It's been great. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm happy to do it. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.